Hi Tim, it's Neil in England here. I was just listening to your last podcast and I had a couple of thoughts. The first is about the original Mac remote. You said it was cheap and easy to lose, as if those were bad things. Surely if the thing is easy to lose, then we want it to be cheap. It's easier to replace, less of a hassle. As for policing the App Store, I think there's a big difference on how people view this, depending on whether or not they have kids. Perhaps you need to go back and think about what you were like before you were married with kids. I don't have kids, and frankly, I want to be able to access whatever I want online or through any other media whenever I want, provided that doesn't break the law. I personally find organised sports like football, whether English or American, incredibly tedious. But that doesn't mean I'd want to stop other people from enjoying those things on TV, online, in the newspapers or wherever each to their own. As for whether kids have access to such things, for a start, why would somebody be giving an iPhone to an eight-year-old kid? That's just daft. And in any case, surely it comes down to parental responsibility. If you don't want your kids to have access to something online, then it's up to you to police your kids in your own way. I don't want people dumping their parental responsibilities onto someone else, like Apple, and in doing so, limiting my access to products or entertainment I might enjoy. I hasten to add that I don't have an iPhone, so the banned apps are of no particular interest to me. But as a general issue, I'm simply not much swayed by that won't somebody think of the children argument. Anyway, thanks again for a great show, Tim. Take care. Bye-bye. OWC Radio, number 17. How you doing? My name's Tim Robertson. I'm the host of OWC Radio. How's your Mac running? You get that problem worked out? You know, the one you were telling me about? No? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you know, I've got, oh, let's see, the the 15-inch Mac Pro that I do all my video editing on uh, professionally, as well as record this podcast. And uh, that machine's running great. I'm having absolutely no problems with it. Now, my iMac at home, I think that I've got a bad video card in there because, uh, I don't know, after a couple months of first buying it, I was getting a lot of ghost images. In other words, I would put the computer to sleep and I could still see the outline, kind of like screen burn-in. If you've been in computers for any length of time, uh, more than, say, six years, you remember the old screens. You had to have a screensaver. And I know if you're new to computers, screensavers are just kind of this cool thing your computer does when you're not using it, neat visuals and stuff like that. Uh, Back in the day, screensavers were very, very important because it allowed you to, I don't know, continue to use your monitor. You would get screen burn in if the same image was shown on that screen for any length of time, say over a couple hours. And I remember seeing some computers with some extremely bad burn in, just you would look at them and go, holy smokes, that's that's horrible. And uh, that's kind of what was happening with my old, well, I don't want to say old, I'm still using it. With my iMac at home, it's a 24-inch, 
23 inch, 20, no, it's 24 inch iMac. At the time, it was the fastest iMac out there, like 2.9 gigahertz. I don't even remember, to be honest. And, uh, I was getting these screen, it looked like screen burn-in. And I don't know, a few months later, Apple came out with a couple updates and it took care of the problem. So I think there was something wrong with the video driver on that machine that they corrected in software and it corrected all the screen burn-in problem that I was starting to see. I was getting ready to take that that Mac back to Apple and have them fix it, either a new graphic card or replace the whole machine. But thankfully, that wasn't necessary. So as you heard at the beginning of the show, we uh, I'm going to, when you guys send in audio feedback, I like to put it right at the top of the show. I like opening the show like that. I think that's fun. And thank you very much to Neil for sending that in. I've got another one I'm going to play here in a few minutes from Gavin Roberts. Uh, but I want to address some of the things that Neil was talking about, and I'm going to go in reverse order. And uh, that means, first of all, talking about the bad app situation that when Apple pulled all those, I guess you call them mature-rated theme apps out of the App Store. And it's not up to Apple to police content for parents. And I totally agree with you on that, by the way. And and I totally agree that it's really not up to any corporation to be the gatekeepers of what's appropriate for somebody else's children. But for me, that's not really, that wasn't the point I was trying to make. And if I didn't make that point, the mistake is mine. So let me be very clear on what my point and what my opinion is on what Apple did and why I was firmly in Apple's corner in this decision. Number one, the iTunes Music Store, and uh, or iTunes in general, is 100% Apple. It's their product. It's their store. And it's no different than Target or Walmart or any other store that doesn't want to carry uh, software or hardware, whatever it is. They don't want to carry a certain product. There's no guarantee that if you come up with an idea and you create a product, a great widget, that you think millions of people will buy at the local store, there's no guarantee that that store will carry that widget. There is no right to sell my product. I have the right to make the product myself, but I don't have a right to expect any store to sell my product, especially if it's of objectionable content. By the same token, if the store does agree to sell it and they start to sell it, I've got no guarantee that the store will continue to sell it. They can pull it out for a variety of reasons. It's not selling well for them, and they want the shelf space to to sell another product that may do better. Or in this case, and I think it's more relevant, they had enough complaints from enough customers about the content that, that rather than take it by a case-by-case basis. They just made a blanket rule that says, you know what? We're not going to accept this content in our store anymore. We don't want to sell it. And you don't have the right to sell it in our store. Thus, it's gone. Apple absolutely has that right. And I'm glad they have the right insofar as I don't want my kids to have access to that. I police it. Absolutely. And as far as, you know, kids having iPhones, well, don't forget about the iPod Touch. A lot of kids do have iPod Touches. 
Now, obviously, my six-year-old is not going to have an iPod Touch. But my 15-year-old daughters, they can have an iPod Touch if they so wanted. And if they bought it themselves, because I'm not spending that much money on an iPod Touch for them. That's craziness. But that being said, I don't really want them to have access to that kind of material. And while I could take their iPhone or iPod Touch away at any time and check it, and if I see something objectionable, I can delete it. That's my responsibility as a parent. And I don't want anyone to take that responsibility away from me. I like the fact that Apple is going to keep their brand clean, if you will. Apple doesn't want to be associated with these types of apps. It doesn't fit their corporate mentality, their their business plan, their their image, if you will. Now, anybody can write this kind of stuff for the Mac because it's an open platform and you release it on the Internet and any Mac user can download and buy or however you want to distribute your product. That's not the case with the iPhone, iPod Touch, soon iPad. It is not an open platform. And with that not openness comes some restrictions. And in this case, these types of apps are not going to be available in the iTunes Music Store. I totally agree with Apple's decision to pull them. There was no benefit to these apps. No one's life is better with these apps out there. But, of course, that's my opinion. And just like I don't think anybody should uh, push their opinion ahead of mine, I do think, though, as far as business goes, Apple made the right decision. And it is their opinion that matters in this case. And in their opinion... These apps aren't going to be allowed anymore. Great decision, I think. Apple simply doesn't want to be associated with these toilet humor type of apps. So while a developer could spend $100 and become authorized to write and submit stuff to the iTunes Music Store, Apple does not have to accept everything that is submitted to them. And even if they do accept something and they change their policy, they have every right to do so. Because ultimately, Apple answers to one group of people, and that is their shareholders. We would like to think, and their customers as well. But ultimately, they have to answer the shareholders. And if Apple is starting to get complaints about certain content in their store, under their branded store, they have absolutely every right to pull it. And and again, Neil, that's probably my fault that I didn't make that more clear in OWC 16, OWC Radio 16, and for that I apologize. And again, going in reverse order, you talked about the Apple remote being cheap. That's kind of the point. So if you lose it, it's not that big a deal. Uh, by cheap, I should have probably said um, poor quality rather than inferring inexpensive. This old Apple remote the white ones, were both inexpensive and of poor quality, in my opinion. Um, as far as being easy to lose, that's kind of a good thing, so they're inexpensive. Yeah, I'd rather lose something that's inexpensive than something that was expensive. But by the same token, I don't think that the new replacement Apple remote, the metal one, at $20 is expensive either. If I lose a $20 remote, I'm going to be bummed out, don't get me wrong, but it's not going to break the bank. I can buy another one. What I didn't like about the mic, uh, the uh, mic, the remote, is simply the fact that it was it felt inexpensive and of poor quality in my hand. 
and I'm not used to that feeling with a product that Apple sells or gives away in this case with their computers. And you know, it was this little plastic white remote that didn't match your Mac, MacBook Pro, didn't match the iMacs. It didn't go with the products. It kind of went with the the Mac Mini and the white MacBook. But even then, I mean, it, it was just this little white piece of plastic that just, in my opinion, was kind of junky. The new remote is exactly the opposite. It feels sturdy. Uh, I like it a lot. The functionality is exactly the same, except the button layout is different, which makes more sense to me. And it actually matches the equipment that I'm using it with. Speaking of equipment, something really cool yesterday, uh, I said on OWC 16 that I went and bought a Mac Mini. It finally arrived. Uh, let's see, it arrived Tuesday, I believe. But I needed a few things to go with it. Uh, more specifically, I needed the Mini Display Port to HDMI cable, and I wanted something to put the Mac Mini in. And all that's been taken care of, and I'm going to probably talk about it after I play with it a little bit more on the next show or possibly OWC Radio number 19. So within the next two shows or so, I'm going to focus on putting that Mac Mini in my entertainment center. But so far, so good. Uh, It's working, and uh, what do I do with it now? What... More specifically, what can I do with my Mac Mini in there that I really couldn't do with my Apple TV? I still have the Apple TV hooked up. It's still synced with all my iTunes content. But I have the addition of the Mac Mini now. So if I'm just going to sit down and I want to watch something that I own the content in iTunes, why do I fire off the Mac Mini and watch it there rather than the Apple TV? So I'm really curious about your opinions. What's the big benefit to having a Mac Mini in my entertainment center as opposed to, or in addition to, my Apple TV. Really would like your opinion on that. So um, if you got the time and the inclination, I'd appreciate if you could send me some email. Now you could do it, you know, typewritten out if you want, or like Neil did, you can do an audio comment. Just send it to podcast at com. You can also call our Skype number and leave a message there. It's 801 801- Nine three eight five 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 nine, uh, and if you want to keep it really short, you can send me uh, whatever on Twitter. It's OWC Radio on Twitter. So those are the preferred methods of contact. Now, if you wanted to use carrier pigeons, uh, let me know, and I can send you my my details, and you can get the carrier pigeon. Although, if it's quite honestly, Neil, if if you wanted to use uh, carrier pigeons, I'd probably caution you against that. I don't know if they'd make it across the ocean. That would kind of be brutal on the little bird. So, so (laughs) of course I'm kidding. Uh, Let's play uh, Gavin Roberts feedback and I'll be right back. Hi Tim, Uh, this is Gavin calling from West Sussex in the United Kingdom. Um, With regard to a couple of points on OWC Radio 16, um, I'm just going to give you some feedback and just some opinion, really. Um, firstly, as regarding internet radio and grabbing audio, um, I've been using a program called iRecord Music for about three or four years now, which has proved to be a really, really fantastic bit of software. Um, you can manually record, you can timer records, schedule it to record specific radio programs, and it's 
never failed me, uh, and it's really, really great. It's one of the most used pieces of software on my Mac, and I would highly recommend it to anybody. You can record in a number of different formats, and basically, you know, have those favourite radio shows stored and, and ready to go whenever you are. So I record music. I think it's Cartel from memory is the is the um, other software guys, but I can't be 100%. I'm not in front of my computer at the moment, but it's uh, well worth checking out. Secondly, um, following on from your comments regarding the inquiry as to whether you think that video editing is better Mac platform or PC platform, I would have to say through personal experience and having done both, the Mac will win out for me every single time. It, uh, you, you have to jump through so many less hoops on a Mac to get the sort of intuitive workflow that you want when you're editing video. It is so much better and I think Final Cut Express, if you're on uh, a bit of a learning curve looking to, to move up in, in a couple of years' time to the, to the real big stuff, is the most perfect tool you can have um, coupled with OS X as a platform to work on because the Mac platform is the creative platform. There is no doubt about it. Um, and... Yes, absolutely. Mac every time. So, uh, yeah, good luck to your your listener, and I wish him good luck in his video career. Finally, um, like yourself, I started my love of DSLR photography with a Sony um, A100. Um, over the past three or four years, I have developed into uh, a reasonable amateur photographer. I've actually just had some pictures published in a magazine for the first time, which I'm really thrilled about. Um, as far as advice and uh, great places for photography tips, I have to say, for me, absolutely hands down, the one source that I've gone back to and back to is uh, Mr. Scott Kelby, who is, I believe, the author of the most successful digital photography book um, of all time, which I think is his first volume of... Um, digital photography, how to make your photos look like the pros. Um, I, I know you can sort of turn away from books and think, oh, God, I don't want to have to go through a book to look to see how to do something. Believe me, and you may well have seen these, um, he's on to volume three now, and those three books are the most intuitive, uh, they are the most helpful, they're witty, concise photography books that I have ever had and believe me I've bought many 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 over the past few years um, I would not even hesitate to say that Scott Kelby has through those books helped make me the far better photographer that I am today than I was three or four years ago they are absolutely first class and I would not hesitate in, in recommending them um, go for them have a read, and believe me, you will be dipping in and out of them all the time, because I have been since I bought Volume 1, and they are absolutely wonderful. Uh, that's it. Keep up the good work, enjoy the show, and look forward to listening to uh, listening to the next couple. Okay, thanks. Cheers, Tim. Bye. Thank you very much, Gavin. Uh, fabulous, by the way.
Well, it's like UK week here on OWC Radio. Love it. Absolutely love it. I think uh, I'm going to take yours in reverse order, too. Scott Kelby, absolutely one of my favorite writers. Um, I've got a couple of his books, actually. Uh, they're quite out of date at this point. But I'm going to go check them out on your recommendation alone. You know what? I love books. Uh, I know there are some people out there that go, ugh, books. I love books. I love the feel of a book in my hand. Um, I'm looking forward to the iPad. Don't get me wrong. And will I buy books on the iPad? Probably, at least to give it a try. But I love books. I, I like the smell of a new book that the ink and pulp smell um, and probably even a little bit of the, the glue on the binder. I just love books. I like new books. I like old books. So if you guys have a another recommendation on any subject when it comes to books, um, technology-wise, of course, hey, let me know. if it, Did you read a really good tech book that you think more people should know about this? Well, I'm one of the people that want to know about it and let me know, and I can share that information with everybody else. So I'll definitely check that out. Um, I'm supposed to go out to uh, the mall. Ugh, the mall. <laughs> I'm supposed to go out to the mall later this week anyways. And uh, I'll definitely give that one a try, Gavin, because uh, Scott Kelby is a, a really good writer. Um, I will say Steve Hammond sent me a message on um, Twitter at OWC Radio. Uh, he sent me one saying for photography to check out a great podcast at The Digital Story with Derek's story. <laughs> I just caught that reference there. And he says he's a nice guy, by the way. Um, I do know who Derek's story is, and I'll definitely check out that podcast. I need to learn more about my camera and what I can do. It is a Sony DSLR 300K. I used it for the first time at uh, the kids' sporting events this, this past weekend that I was mentioning on OWC 16. And about half the pictures came out okay. Which tells me I, I still, I really don't know what I'm doing with this camera. I really don't. I, I set it to the motion setting thing and I took pictures and they still kind of look blurry to me. So I don't know. I wasn't, I tried zooming in, I tried zooming out, um, different settings. Auto is the worst, by the way, because it used flash every single time and it didn't work. So I, I just need to learn more and any, Hints or uh, suggestions or whatever, please let me know. Help me. That's what I'm saying. Help me. The iRecord Music app is uh, by BitCartel. It's at uh, bitcartel.com slash iRecordMusic. I'll put a link directly into that on OWC Radio number 17 at OWCRadio.com. I've got a little chirping sound behind me now because I've got these automatic lights that if it doesn't sense uh, movement for a certain amount of time, the lights turn off, which is great for the environment, but uh, not so great when I forgot to turn off the lights myself when I started recording the show. And uh, see, it's making that little beeping. I don't know if you guys can hear this. It's making these little beeping noises. And where I'm sitting, where I have to sit to record the show, it's not picking up my movement at all. So... The lights just went out all by themselves, but the problem is it makes just little chirping, beeping noises, and didn't really want to pick that up on the uh, on the podcast here, but I did. So, yeah, the uh, iRecord music is $25. It looks pretty cool. I'm going to check it out. I'll download it, um, try it before I buy it, and if it's good, I might just give it a shot. 
I was having a conversation a couple days ago with another iPhone user. And he asked me, uh, do you have any recommendations on a cool iPhone game? Now, you guys probably heard OWC Radio 16, where I was talking about plants and zombies and really dig the game. I think it's fantastic and uh, what have you. So, of course, I made that recommendation. And he asked me, uh, does it cost money? I said, yeah, it's like 3 bucks, two ninety nine, dollars uh, much cheaper than the PC or Mac version of the game, which costs $20. And he said, oh, I don't, I don't buy anything on the, on the iPhone. I, I don't pay for apps. So I, I, I didn't quite understand. I said, what do you mean you don't, what do you mean you don't pay for them? And he said, well, if it's not free, I don't, I don't get it. Um, okay. Wh- why? Well, the reasoning came back. Actually, somebody else told me the same thing recently as well. Um, but we didn't get into a discussion, but, um, this time I did. And I said, why? And he said, well, you know, uh, the iPhone was expensive. Duh. And number two, I, I have a monthly bill for my iPhone. Why should I have to spend extra money for the iPhone? Why should I buy this other stuff for it? It just, it should just be free. What do you mean it should just be free, I asked. He said, well, if I'm spending a monthly fee for my phone, why they're not going to get extra money out of it. I mean, I should just be able to download this stuff for free. I'm, I'm paying on a, a monthly basis. And I said, okay, um, yeah, you know it's not AT&T or Apple who are creating these 150,000 apps out there, right? That it's independent software developers, and they spend a lot of time, a lot of effort using very – uh, specific skills that neither you or I possess, i.e. they're programmers, to come up with these, a lot of it is this very innovative, fun, creative, useful apps. Not just games, but stuff like Evernote or Dropbox. Uh, photo apps that um, allow you to adjust the image. I mean, just all kinds of stuff that's just fabulous. I'm stumbling for words because... Fabulous just doesn't seem a strong enough word for some of these apps that I've found on the iPhone and iPod Touch. Don't get me wrong. When I say iPhone, I'm also referring to the iPod Touch when it comes to apps. It's just easier to say iPhone and soon iPad. But he said, no, I, you know, I, I'm just not going to spend any money. I'll I'll get the free stuff and that's it. And, you know, I can respect someone who doesn't want to spend any extra money that they may or may not have. Although, in this case, I know the person actually has money. But I personally feel somewhat a responsibility to support the developers that are making this amazing, fantastic, creative, innovative software for the iPhone. And by support, I mean buy their products. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to support every developer out there. But if I download something, let's say a trial version of a piece of software, a a game demo, if you will, and I really dig it, and it's a lot of fun, and there's a pro or 
full or however you want to word it version of the same game that cost, say, three bucks, even five bucks, even ten if the game's really good. I have, I feel somewhat a responsibility to pony up, to pay for, and support these developers. Do you feel that way at all? Now, obviously, like I said, you're not going to support all of them. And I'm not going to, if I had to pay to get something and it's a terrible game, I'm going to be a little upset. But if I'm using something on a consistent basis, whether it's a game or a photo app or a word processing app or a utility that scans the network, if it's something that I'm using on a regular basis and there's a pro version of said software that's not ad supported or anything like that, I have to pay money. I have a responsibility, I think, to spend that money. I mean, for the most part, the people that develop the software, they have to support themselves, possibly a family. They have to eat. They have to live somewhere. And none of that stuff is free. There's always a a cost involved with family and mortgages and food and gasoline for their cars and the car itself. Nothing in this world and this life is free. So I feel a responsibility to support the people that are making this great content for this device that I love so much, especially if it's a piece of software that I'm using often. That's my responsibility. That's what I do to ensure that people continue to create great software for the device and will create possibly better software in the future, not only for this device, but also the iPad, which I plan on buying. How great would the iPhone still be if Apple would never have supported third-party development on it? I don't think we'd be talking about it much, do you? At this point, it would just be a phone that has a nice web browser, right? And it does email and, yeah, the voice message uh, or voice, visual voicemail, that's cool. Um, And you could check weather, you know, and stocks and flights and, oh, you can do the, you know, uh, YouTube thing. So that's a lot, but... It's, it's tiny compared to what the iPhone can do now. It's just amazing. So it's my responsibility and yours, I think, my personal opinion, and yours to support the developers of the apps that you use. Now, if they only offer a free version that has ads in it, fine. But if they have a paid version, I think that's my responsibility to buy it. I'm using it. I like the free version. They have a pro version. I should buy the pro version. They gave me the free one so I can try it out, decide. I decided it's good. I need to pony up and put my money where my mouth is. Right? Do you feel the same? I'd really like your opinion on that. Feedback at MacSales.com. So it's time for the Mac Heist again. Yep, Mac Heist has launched a brand new promotion. It's kind of a mini promotion this time. Not as many apps, but looks pretty good apps, to be honest. 20 bucks, and you get Mac Journal, which I've never used, but I've heard good things. Rip It, which I don't think I know anything about Rip It. It doesn't ring any bells. I'm going to assume by the name that it's some kind of um, uh, DVD extraction type of software. That's what it sounds like anyways. Clips. Now, Clips came up in a discussion I was having on another mailing list. 
Um, and Clips is basically multiple clipboards on your Mac. In other words, uh, you know when you do copy and paste, once you copy something else, the last thing you copied is now out of your clipboard, and the new thing has been copied. With Clips, and I use another piece of software called iClip Lite. It's a dashboard widget. You can have multiple clipboards, so you can copy something, put it in a particular um, clipboard, if you will, and it's always there until you erase it. So if you use a piece of code or a, um, let's say, a signature file, something like that that you're going to use all the time, it makes a lot of sense to have a multiple clipboard so you can access it quickly and easily uh, multiple times. And that's what this app does. Uh, but I personally haven't used Clips. Uh, Cover Scout, which I have, and I've been using it for a year. I did a review of it like, I don't know, a year or two years ago. It kind of blends together after a while, you know. Um, Cover Scout basically will go out onto the Internet and find and complete the metadata in your iTunes library. What's that mean? Let's say you got an album from, I don't know, the Beatles, and it doesn't have the artwork. Well, Cover Scout will actually get the artwork for you. And it's pretty accurate back in my test. And, again, that was, you know, a year or two ago. So I don't know if the new version is as good or worse or better. I don't know. But my time with Cover Scout was very impressive. I liked it. Uh, so that's in there. Flow. I don't know what Flow is. Tales of Monkey Island, which is a game. I saw a demo of it at the Macworld Expo. It looked fun. I don't have time to uh, to play it myself. But it looked like a fun game. And, finally, Rapid Weaver for HTML work. And I don't, I've never used Rapid Weaver myself. I know some people swear by it. I know some people swear at it. Um, I use Dreamweaver when I have to do the coding here on my computer. Um, but still, 20 bucks. That's a lot of software for 20 bucks. Uh, MacHeist.com. Now, I do want to give you uh, one little warning. There has been times in the past that some of the developers that release their software to MacHeist to sell at these very, very, very discounted prices. Um, what they've done in the past, not all of them, uh, not even most of them, just a couple of them have done this, is that the version of the software that you get through MacHeist is for that version only, and that the next version that comes out, say a 2.0, 3.0, that sort of thing, um, you don't get the the cheaper upgrade pricing too, or you don't get the next version free. It's only for this one. Um, so keep that in mind. Make sure you, you read the fine print on anything you buy. And uh, definitely on the Mac, Mac High stuff, because I know a couple of people who were really upset about that in the past. So keep that in mind. But still, you know what? For 20 bucks, the game alone is 20 bucks worth, right? I think so. Uh, Cover Scout, I would pay 20 bucks for that just to clean up my iTunes library. I had a lot of stuff in my iTunes library that needed cleaning. So $20, MacHeist.com. Apple is suing HTC over iPhone patent infringement. This seems to be the, the big talk of the Mac web this week. And... I've heard the argument on both sides saying, well, Apple absolutely should be sell, uh, suing them and those who say that Apple's a hypocrite for suing them or this is not the way a, a company that's into innovation should do it and back and forth, back and forth. What do you guys think? I'm kind of curious. I mean, I was there in the audience at the Macworld Expo 2007 when Apple unveiled the iPhone. And one of the things Steve Jobs said right there on that main stage was they absolutely had patented it and they would, they would absolutely protect that patent. That was pretty clear-cut to me. That was, a, that was a warning to all the companies out there that if you copy us, if you try to do this yourself using 
our methodology or their technology, we're going to sue you. And the reason that they said that, I think, is A, they knew everyone was going to eventually copy them, and B, what Apple did with the iPhone. Let's go back in time. Go back to mid-2006 and tell me what the best cell phone out there was. I know the biggest seller was the Motorola Razor, all right? Uh, they had Blackberries at the time. But go back in time, 2006, and browse the Internet with any one of those phones. I'll wait. Go ahead. Yeah, pretty crummy, wasn't it? Horrible. Now, the BlackBerry did email good. I'll give it that. That's about it, though. Cell phones, until the iPhone was released, were horrible devices with some of the worst user interface designs I've ever seen. Crippled phones that barely worked. Phones that would have Bluetooth, but... Well, only for listening to uh, a phone call on. You couldn't use the Bluetooth to sync to your computer, or you couldn't send your music out of your phone to your stereo via Bluetooth. Crippled, crappy, plastic, junk phones. The entire industry was on a race to the bottom. Who could offer uh, the the best feature set phone for 99 cent? It was a horrible market to be in. Apple changed all of that. The iPhone was like nothing that ever came before, and it blew the industry up. Let's be honest. It, it blew the industry up. And their inclusion of the SDK and allowing third-party app development for the iPhone was a brilliant move because look what we have now. So Apple single-handedly grabbed the cell phone makers by the scruff of the neck and brought them into the 21st century. No question in my mind. Again, this is all my personal opinion. And if you don't agree, let me know. And so Apple does this single-handedly. Let's not forget, single-handedly, Apple did this. But what they created wasn't cheap, wasn't inexpensive. It took a lot of money in research and development. A lot of money. Apple invented it all, right? There was nothing like the iPhone before the iPhone. There was nothing like it. And most of us, we couldn't even imagine how great the iPhone was going to be. Because there was a lot of speculation leading up to that event on an iPod phone. Apple was going to make an, a cell phone that was an iPod. Now, when you look at the iPhone today, do you think, well, this is nothing but an iPod that has a phone in it? Of course not. It's a, it's a completely revolutionary device. And it's really nothing like the iPod. The iPod is just a piece of software that runs on the iPhone. And for a lot of people, it's not even the main thing. So what they did was completely revolutionary. And now you'll start looking at the phones that are out here now in 2010. And what are they? Especially from HTC and the Google phones. What are they? They look like an iPhone. They behave like an iPhone, pinch, zoom, touch. Do you have any of that stuff before the iPhone came out? Mm, no. So these companies are just basically, oh, look what Apple did. Now we're going to do that. Do you think Apple should have the right to sue these companies? I don't know. I could say that if I was at Apple and knowing how much time and effort it took to create the iPhone in the first place, to see these other companies come in and basically steal everything that you did, 
I don't know. What do you think? I'd love to hear your opinion. Podcast at MaxSales.com. Audio feedback, if you like, or just a plain text email, and I'll read it here on the show. One of the things that I, I did want to briefly mention was the story from The Consumerist about Comcast. And uh, I've seen these quite a bit over the last couple of years. And the title of this one is uh, Unlimited Usage Doesn't Mean Unlimited Usage. The gist of the story is Comcast has this 250 gigabyte cap on data over their networks. Now, they advertise unlimited, unlimited data, but it's really 250 gigs. Now, if you signed up for an unlimited data plan through Comcast and you didn't scour their internet website to see that fine print, wouldn't you be a little upset if they turned off your cable modem saying you use too much data? You'd come back with, well, you guys said unlimited. Well, yes, but unlimited doesn't mean unlimited. Really? I'm looking in the, see, I speak English and I look in this dictionary that's of English words. And I think your definition of unlimited is different than my definition of unlimited. Now, I never come close to that myself, and I have actually two Comcast accounts. I have the business account that I'm using right here, right now in the studio, and I also have the home account at home, which is my internet, my telephone, and my um, television. So Comcast, boy, if I figured it out in my head, gets, poof. I would say 300 bucks a month for me. $300, that's a car payment, people. $300. But quite honestly, I know I've never hit that. I, I don't even come close to 250 gigs. I probably, I probably hit 100 gigs a month, maybe, on a very busy month, but probably not even that. But still, unlimited, shouldn't that mean unlimited? And if it doesn't, then you need to change that verbiage right now. Because you don't go into an all-you-can-eat restaurant, have one plate, and then say, uh, I'm sorry, sir, you've, you've had enough now. Wait, I had one plate and it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Well, it's all-you-can-eat on one plate. That's not what you advertised. Am I wrong? Am I right? I'd love to hear what you guys think. Podcast at... MaxSales.com. And finally, I want to uh, briefly mention this article up on the unofficial Apple weblog, TUAW.com. It's a really good read. And um, funnily enough, it's about one of the products that Otherworld Computing sells. The name of the article is I've Seen the Future and It's SSD. It's all about the, how the writer of this piece visited the OWC booth during the Macworld Expo. And he had a hands-on demonstration of the pure speed of the SSD drives that we were demonstrating at the show. And of course, that's the OWC Mercury Extreme Enterprise SSD. And he talks about how this is the future of computing. Now, our computers right now, our computers are very, very fast. The bottlenecks, quite honestly, in computers nowadays are not the processors. They're so fast, it, it'd blow your mind. The, the things that slow computers down more than anything else nowadays, it's not RAM. RAM is relatively inexpensive, and most Macs ship with 
uh, a decent amount of RAM. You can always put more in there, and it will be even faster and more reliable for you. And that's the one thing I tell most Mac users to do when they first get a new machine. Excuse me. When they first get a new machine, get more RAM. Definitely. But the bottleneck now really is the speed of the hard drive, especially in the laptops that standards ship with a 5,400 RPM drive. They're big drives, 320 gigabytes and 500 gigabytes. and But that's where the problem is. The speed of those hard drives are slowing down the entire system. Now, I've talked about this before on past shows. If you go up to OWCRadio.com and scroll down a little bit, you'll see the SSD speed test video. And the difference in performance between a standard MacBook Pro and the exactly the same MacBook Pro, same processor, same RAM, same everything. In fact, it's exactly the same machine. I just We just took the hard drive out and put the enterprise SSD drive in. Same machine. The difference in performance, you can't even compare it. It's a joke how much faster, I should say it's a joke how much slower a standard MacBook Pro is compared to the MacBook Pro with an SSD drive. It's it's a joke. It's sad. You see the, the OWC Mercury Extreme Enterprise SD in person, and it's even more so. It just blows your – it'll blow your mind. And that's basically the gist of this article, that he's seen the future. And it is an SSD drive. And it is, folks. There's no question. These platter-based mechanical hard drives, they're going the way of the dodo. They are. They really are. Five years from now, if it even takes that long, and personally I think it's closer to two, it's not – the SSD drive prices are going to drop. The capacity of these drives are going to go up, and they're going to start to become standard. And you're going to be amazed at how much faster your machines seem, and not just seem but are, how much faster they are compared to a standard MacBook nowadays with a conventional hard drive. Why? Because these SSD drives, number one, they're more reliable – especially the enterprise class. And number two, they're so much faster. I mean, it, 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 it's literally like taking a, a big Chevy motor and, and slapping it into a little, um, I don't know, what's a little car, a Ford Pinto. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's scary fast. It really is. So go check that out if you have a, a few minutes. Go check out that video, and I think you'll be surprised. In the meantime, we're going to wrap up uh, OWC radio number 17 so I can get this converted over to MP3, get all the metadata in the show and get it posted up into iTunes so you guys can start downloading it and enjoying it over the weekend. Uh, speaking of the weekend, I hope you guys have a great one. I love it if you could spend just a few minutes sending some feedback into the show. It makes the show much better, and I love to hear your opinion on any subject. Send it to podcast at maxsales.com. And if you would be so kind to go up to MacSales.com and buy something, yeah, you know you want to spend a little bit of money. Come on. I do, but I just bought a Mac Mini, and yeah, my wife's not going to let me spend any more money for a little while, I, I can guarantee you. Nor should I, right? Nor should I. Shame on me for even thinking about 
buying. But you know, I I kind of do need more memory for that Mac Mini. No, not yet. I will wait until I hear from you guys and gals, and you let me know why and what I should be doing with that Mac Mini in my living room. Why do I need that machine there? Give me some ideas. I really want to know. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the show. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and uh, please send feedback. And once again, thanks go out to Neil and Gavin for sending in feedback. I really appreciate it, guys. Talk to you soon. 